Bond. Bottled in Bond. You see it everywhere in your package store. They've got the bourbon. It's bottled in Bond. And you're like, what in the bloody world is this? What's the gimmick? What's the marketing? It's actually not total gimmick. There's a history behind it. And this is the Henry McKenna 10-year Kentucky Straight Bottled in Bond Bourbon Whiskey because it is Bourbon Heritage Month. Eat, drink, smoke, everybody. Tony Katz and Fingers Malloy, great to be with you. This is 100 proof, Fingers Malloy. Give it a cheer. Give it a oh, hand. It's give beautiful. it beautiful. Right? And by the way, I was part of the Bottled and Bond comedy team in, in the sca- Cats oh, back is that in right? the 1970s. Yes. Oh, you opened up for Shecky Green, did yes. you? Good man. 100 proof, age 10 years, a mash bill of 78% corn, 12% barley, and 10% rye. Now, to be a bourbon, you have to be 51% corn. It is aged in first-use charred oak, American, American charred oak barrels, and it can only be diluted with water to change the proof. But this whole in-bond thing, there's an act. It's an act of government. It's an act of Congress, I should say, bottled in bond. What it did was, was it stipulated that the whiskey had to be the product of one distilling season from one distillery aged in a federally bonded warehouse for at least four years and bottled at 100 proof. It comes from the fact that there were people putting out all sorts of product back in the day with all different kinds of, you know, claims and this and that. It'll cure your gout or who knows (laughs) what they were saying. So they came up with this. Is it a term of marketing in today's world? Absolutely. I think you've seen a lot more of the bottled in bond coming out there. Uh, you've seen it from from the favorites. Uh, the guys over at New Riff do a, do a, some some great work, by the way. You see bottled in bond from them. This is the Henry McKenna. This is from the people at Heaven Hill. Uh, this is going to give you a very very nice punch in the face. In the good way. We take a, a, the nose here. We always try it neat. That's how we do our bourbon. That's how we do rye or anything that we're, we're drinking. We do it neat. And then we can either move it to a big rock side or the chips. I'm a big fan of, of the ice chips myself. You're doing the nose there, Fingers Malloy. You got your nose right in the glass. What are you smelling? It's very sweet. Uh, maybe a, a caramel there's note def- on the nose. There's a, it's, it, I think that's strong in here. Sometimes the vanilla is strong. That's strong in here. I don't get a much of a, of a fruit on there, and I do get a bit of a medicinal, right? Some people call it an ethanol kind of kind of smell there when they're doing it. I don't know how to describe that. Uh, I describe it as it smells like it's over 100 proof. <laughs> That's what <laughs> right? it smells like. Yeah. Which, and it's weird because it's sometimes deceiving. You'll sometimes get a, a, that, that palate that really think, you know, you really think it's going to hit you hard, and then it doesn't. Uh, I think that the Henry McKenna tenure has a way of hitting you for sure. You ready to do this? Yeah. You unfortunately, this? I had you. You ordered the the cheese tray. All right. I got Ooh. I got the charcuterie. They Spicy had they had like cheese. a jalapeno cheese on there. It's delicious, but it'll punch you. <laughs> yeah, it will. It'll punch you maybe more than so this. So here's the chaser, right? Right. Here. By the way, what you eat will totally affect what it is that you drink. Fingers Malloy. He's doing the sip neat here. This is the Henry McKenna ten year bottled in bond. He's doing the uh, the Kentucky Chew, as they call it. The Memphis Munch. It is not what it's called. I'm doing it now. What do you think? Where are you at? Um, vanilla, and you you. there is a little bit of sting on the tongue, not much of a burn going down. I'm very happy with what I'm um, tasting so far. Okay, I got to do another one. Oh, my. That, there, there is a lot of alcohol going on on the tongue. A tremendous amount 
of alcohol mm-hmm. that does not hit the throat in the slightest. No. Sits right now oh, it's in, in the mid-chest. Oh, wow. Sits in the mid-chest. Oh, let me do another one. I always do two sips. Do that first one to kind of get the tongue used to what's going on because there is a, a sting in, in the tip and then to the, to the front side of, of the tongue right there. Hold on. Mm. That's a lot of vanilla. The nose is caramel. The flavor is vanilla. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. You think this is going to hit you. You think this is going to punch you. Not at all. This is just a good hit. You know that it's there, but you're not overwhelmed. Could not be happier. Here's what I think about this. This would be very good around a campfire in the fall. Uh, it, it's got that kind of fall feeling to it uh, when, when you drink it. And I'm not usually one to say, oh, this is very seasonal, unless we're talking about beers that are, you know, it's a hot summer day and you're going to get a, a summer shandy or something like that right. by Line and Kugel. Uh, but doesn't They'd this make feel a like great a, sponsor of the show, wouldn't absolutely. they? Absolutely. But doesn't this feel like the kind of thing that you would like to have on a a crisp fall evening, you know, maybe on a hayride or... or you've got the caramel nose. You've got the vanilla on, on the flavoring. You've got this hint of spice, which you could describe as baking spice, right? You it, it, you almost you feel like you've got some nutmegs going on in there, brown sugars going on in there. And that's why, and that's why you feel that way. I think that's a really good descriptor for what you're dealing with here. And an MSRP of $30. Oh, beautiful. Right? Now, you, you might find it for more at, at your local store. Just let me know. This is really a nicely done, not overly complex bourbon. I think this is just a well-played bourbon. The, the vanilla and that, and that brown sugar baking spice complement each other very, very well. The nose works with the flavoring. And while I do feel it in the chest, I do have a bit of touch in that mid-chest not overwhelming of any in any way. Again, it's like the whole thing. It's it's letting you know that it's there. It's not trying to hurt your feelings. Oh wow! And I'll tell you, I just put a couple of ice chips in, and already I'm noticing that it's taken away some of that uh, what you've described as ethanol flavor, right. the the or medicinal. It's it's taken that. I, I don't want to call it harshness, Tony, because it's not harsh, but it lets you know it's there. <laughs> you right. know, and that has taken some of that away, and it, it's it's bringing out a little bit more of the the vanilla and the caramel, and uh, and and honestly, uh, you you mentioned that the vanilla is strong. It is strong, but it's not overpowering. It doesn't feel like you're having a, a sweet sugary drink. One of the things that I get asked all the time is, what about the wood? If it's if it's done in this first used first use American charred oak barrel, where's the oak? That I will tell you that my palate is very weird that I don't always pick up the oak unless I'm always picking up the oak and I don't realize it, right? So there are people who will probably tell you, and you can find reviews that will talk about the oak that's with, within the Henry McKenna 10-year bottled in bond. I get the other flavors with such strength that the wood doesn't often pick up, which is weird because when I'm smoking a cigar, I can pick out the wood like it's my job. Yeah. It just hits me in just that way. My palate's refined enough. I can't say that it is with, with bourbons. I think that if you talk to better experts than us, they'll tell you that it's there. But I am overwhelmed by the vanilla and by that, that sweetness, that, that, that baking spice, that brown sugar, that I don't get wood. I also very often find when I'm doing bourbon, I find citrus flavors within. I absolutely love the citrus flavors they're in. I don't get that here. What I get is a really nice bourbon. And I'm still getting the cheese. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> That's a good pairing, then, right? I, I still get the cheese uh, with the with the bourbon. No, this is this is fantastic, and, and especially and on at the, that price point. And on the chip, it's sweeter. Yeah. On the chip, it is sweeter. It has opened that up. It's opened up the caramel a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Or, or do you say caramel? Is it caramel? Eh. Is it caramel? Exactly. I'm not here to judge on this. I, mean, I judge on many other things, not this. <laughs> but it does open that up because it, it doesn't just open up sweetness. It opens up the flavor of the sweetness. You get more caramel. You have the vanilla. You've got that, that brown sugar. And a, that, that touch of heat, which you can call a spice, working for you. It is the Henry McKenna 10-year bottled-in-bond Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. This, this is worth a try, dear kids. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. It is National Bourbon Heritage Month. We're celebrating all month. You should be celebrating all month. Fingers Malloy is celebrating right now. Double fisting. I like bourbon. It is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy. And so we've been talking to distillers. We've been talking to manufacturers, people who distribute. What's going on with bourbon? What's been changing because of coronavirus? What's the future of this industry? We've seen so many people get in to the business. You go to a bar. You go to a package store. Man, there are bourbons you never heard of before in your life. It's absolutely, positively incredible. So had a chance to talk to Nolan Smith of Backbone Bourbon, backbonebourbon.com, about like what he's seeing, what he's feeling, what it is that's going on out there. And the first question was, has the industry changed? Has it caused you to change what you make? Have you looked at things and said, you know what, we're starting to see because of, maybe because of coronavirus, maybe not, just the, the general industry, trends that people want a higher proof, that they're moving more towards rise. Have you seen new trends emerging no. over the past year? No, um, I wouldn't say... No, I would say no to that. Um, I, I think with whiskey, um, you know, you, you make a long-term commitment to what you're trying to do. Um, you know, I think everyone, I hope everyone's trying to make a quality product, but I, I don't I don't think uh, um, that the product is so different. I just think how we're selling it is, is, is a big challenge at the moment. And and obviously people are still drinking, but it's the challenge is, is finding them um, in, in in more narrow, narrowly defined selling opportunities, if that makes sense. And again, I think if if I had to say one trend, I think it's uh, the trend towards buying single barrels. I think those have become very interesting um, to a lot of people. It's a way to get something that's very special. Um, some of the iconic bourbons that have been out there, it's, it's hard to find them. Um, so a lot of bourbon clubs and a bur- bourbon aficionados have, have uh, you know, gone out of their way to find things that are unique and, and find companies that are up and coming, which is, you know, which is what we benefited from. You, you talk about niche, talking to Nolan Smith of Backbone Bourbon, backbonebourbon.com. Is the niche regarding a product or is the niche regarding building a loyalty? Because so much of this, people have their brand, right? Grandpa had his brand, dad had his brand, and people have their, their, their go-tos. Is it about breaking through that or is it about finding that there's a certain type of drinker that really is the rye drinker and there's a certain type of drinker that really is uh, the, the bourbon drinker? Which way do you mean niche? Well, I think... Um I think I understand the question. Um, I think it. I think if you want to do the whiskey game properly, I think you have to go. You have to take the long road, 
And what I mean by that is uh, you have to, I think whiskey is particularly a kind of product where, and what's been great about the boom is that there's more awareness, there's more willingness to try. But ultimately, whiskey is one of those things that people, they, they love to have their whiskey. They love to sip on their whiskey. And to get people to try your stuff and then ultimately to become a follower, I think that that takes a, that takes a lot of time. Um, and, you know, frankly, I see a lot of people that have got in the whiskey business, they just want the quick result. Um, and just the whiskey by, by whiskey business by the by its very nature, it's hard to it's hard to accomplish that. So, you know, I don't think we necessarily go after a rye or a bourbon drink. I'd, I'd say we, you know, we sell more bourbon than anything else. But, um, you know, we're we're committed to more of a profile. Um, and you mentioned it earlier. One of our big things is proof. We we believe in a big proof whiskey. Um, and, you know, we mostly sell bourbon. We sell quite a bit of rye, but we also have some other whiskeys. And we all, and all of them, we send out at a high proof. And so if, any, if there's any calling card we have, I would say it's, it's that. And um, if, if there's anyone who is looking for a high proof bourbon, I think, you know, hopefully they can find our stuff. And your stuff, whether it's the Backbone Bourbon Uncut, the Backbone Bourbon Prime, or the Old Bones Bourbon, uh, the 10-year, you're going to find things from 90 proof into that 100 and, and proof level, especially when you get to the uncut. The real question is, how does this nice kid from South Africa get into the bourbon business? Oh, boy. Um, well, that's a long story. Um, but uh, We'll take the short version of it. We don't mind. We'll take this. Well, I tell you, I'm, I've been in the... I've been, uh, co-owner of a, of a local uh, distribution company and uh, we've had a crossroad business since 2005 and and really it was more about an opportunity my partner and I saw firsthand in the late 2000s how you know whiskey um, American whiskey was really starting to become something you know more than it had been so uh, we we just seized upon the opportunity we we live in a great part of the country to, to get into it. Um, you know, we have a great world-class distillery, you know, an hour and a half down the road. Um, we visited there in 2010 and, you know, did some uh, calculations and, you know, we started small and and that's basically it. Um, you know, it was definitely more of an opportunity. Now I'd say it's, it's become um, something really fun to do. Um, we're, we're passionate about it, but it's it's also, um, you know, a great business for us. Most people, it's, hey, I've got a passion for this thing. How do I turn it into a business? You saw it as a business and then figured out the, 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 the passion side. 30 seconds or less, uh, bourbon sales going to continue to boom or is there a cap to this market? I think uh, the boom will continue for a long time. Um, I think... Uh, I think this generation that does, that has witnessed the boom, I think they'll have bourbons for the rest of their lives. I really do. Um, the the next generation may not be it may not be as deeply entrenched, but I think this group of people, this group of population, are gonna it's gonna be a revered drink for them. So I think this regardless this of their age, for, younger, older, all of them. I think all of them. Um, you know, whiskey is, I, it's more of a cultural drink. It's not, 
it, it gets in deep, you know, um, and it's especially so in this part of the world. It, you know, every Midwesterner knows what that fall, that first fall night feels like. Um, and, you know, bourbon, rye, any kind of American whiskey goes perfect with that kind of kind of a climate and lifestyle. So um, I, I think some of the things I will, if, if I had to have some markers for the boom declining, I would watch very closely on some of the pricing. Um, and that's been probably my only concern um, is some of the new distilleries really charging a, a very uh, unrealistic amount for bourbon that isn't very very good or, or old enough or you know, has, has enough of a reputation. That would be the only thing I would – if that starts to get crazy um, – then I think we might see some kind of a bust. But I really don't think uh, there's going to be a massive fall off when, you know, the so-called boom is at an end. I'm not sure if that makes sense. Nolan Smith, Backbone Bourbon, BackboneBourbon.com. I appreciate you taking the time, man. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, Drink, Smoke. It is your cigar, bourbon, foodie, radio extravaganza. I'm Tony Katz. That's Fingers Malloy. It is the Henry McKenna 10-year bottled in bond. Kentucky bourbon whiskey, and it's just good. It is just good, 100 proof, in no way overpowering, but lets you know that it's there. The vanilla, the caramel, when it's on a cube, it's got a little water to open it up. That's That baking spice that's in there, brown sugar, all of it playing very, very nice, but not overwhelming, not over complex, just well played. Very happy with this bourbon. With the ice chips in it, it's really opened it up, and I'm really enjoying it. You know, I, I don't want to use the word harsh because it wasn't uh, a strong alcohol presence, but it, there was definitely a sting when you when you took a drink. And you said it, it got you in the chest a little bit. A little I bit really, yeah, I really didn't notice it, but you drink the, much more than I do. Well, that is true, but the the ice chips definitely open things up and at $30 a bottle I mean I mean that's the MSRP that I found people might find it different in their in their local store let us know let us know on 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 the Twitter it is go eat drink smoke and facebook.com slash eat drink smoke it's time for the news of the week we still don't have a musical intro so make one up in your own head nicely done there it is so here we go uh you know Tony uh, we I mean, I hate that we have to keep harping on what's going on with the coronavirus and coronavirus. State what's that? And national reaction. Well, in Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to Tacoma, Philadelphia, Atlanta, L.A. Tony, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, a provision uh, in a court ruling this week on bars and alcohol sales could end up curtailing business at some restaurants, which could lead them to close, Tony. Uh, this judge ruled that while the governor, it was okay to have some uh, regulations when it came to restaurants and bars, the, the, the judge felt like that Governor uh, Doug Ducey overstepped his authority when he uh, said that it was okay to have bars sell liquor to go. So the restaurant can stay open in Arizona. The bar can't. But the bar can't sell alcohol to go. Can the restaurant sell alcohol to go? Well, that's that. There's still confusion about the ruling. But at this point, like like I said, uh, the Department of uh, the State Department of Liquor Licenses and Control 
Uh, it was told to... Is that a, is, how much does that name just scare the daylights out of you? The State Department of Liquor Licenses and Control. Oh, my. That is... <laughs> that is very dystopian. But we've talked about this previously. Why is it necessary for states to say hey, you you can't sell packaged liquor out of your restaurant bar, especially when you're you're putting these restrictions on restaurants? Uh, you know, the the twenty five percent capacity, the fifty percent capacity. They need to generate revenue. They need to do something to keep their doors open. And this is a good way to do it. But the judge said that the the governor overstepped his authority. So this is maybe procedural. Maybe if the, the legislature comes but in. But no, and- it's this continued slap in the face of anybody trying to survive coronavirus by changing the way they do business to be able to work within the new quote-unquote normal, a term I hate, by the way. So the bar <laughs> has to close. The restaurant can stay open. But the restaurant itself, I was just reading the judge's ruling. Her name is Pamela Gates, Maricopa County Superior Court judge. It's the overstep to say that the restaurant can sell the liquor. The restaurant can't sell the beer or or wine or liquor out the front door, which the governor, Doug Ducey, said was okay because he wanted to help the restaurant stay in business. The bar is totally screwed anywhere you go across America. Well, and the thing is, too, is that the the governor, I, I would have to believe, is shocked at this point because it seems like governors across the country are just being able to sign pieces of paper and it's really not being challenged all that much. They could just shut businesses down and, and there we've, we've talked about it previously where it's like we can't understand where one business can stay open if they sell chicken wings right but yet if you don't sell chicken wings if you're a cigar bar, bar and you're just social distancing like you would at a cigar lounge you're supposed to be closed if you don't sell food. somehow a plate of nachos will keep you from getting <laughs> coronavirus but i mean i this this is actually the fault of of the governor here because what happened is, and this happened in states all across the country, they picked winners and losers. They decided the bar was a no-go, but the restaurant was a go. And that doesn't make sense because if you tell me people can't sit at the physical bar, right, where we record at Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis, it's a cigar lounge, but they have a bar. The bar is not open. You're not allowed seating at the bar, but you're allowed seating at the table. Now, people could sit close to each other as close as they do at a bar at a table but yet the table's okay and the bar is not this is the backwards thinking at play and this isn't a question about whether or not coronavirus is real or staying safe that's that's not it it's about the application of the mandates not even laws but mandates and how they're affecting real businesses we we're still learning as we've often talked about what's going to happen to businesses all across america it's the arbitrary nature that has people regardless this is the best part regardless of their political party they're like what's happening here i don't know what's going on yeah and i I gotta tell you you know people are confused not only about you know rulings like this but also how these rules are enforced especially state to state tony where governors in states may have similar executive orders but they're being enforced entirely differently i went to michigan a couple of weekends ago played some golf and we went to uh, a bar after the round was up and there was a sign said 50 percent capacity you must wear a mask i walked in every table was full (laughs) Except for one. And it wasn't a situation where, you know, some restaurants and bars, they're taking tables out. Right. The the place was packed. Nobody's looking. Nobody's enforcing uh, this sort of thing. So there's just confusion. And you're getting to the point where you're having businesses snitch on other businesses because of that right there. It was like, well, I'm playing by the rules. and then They're snitching on each other? Oh, yes. And then you've got... 
my dad's favorite watering hole in Michigan. This is the other thing that really upsets me. I about love this. this. Your dad is how old? 82 years young. Meets the same guys. Yes. At the bar. It's and it's fantastic. Rock they some got, kino. Yep, four or five days a week. They go hit a happy hour, have a couple drinks, and then they leave. Well, the 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 bar, the owner posted uh, this long, heartfelt post on Facebook about how it is not their fault regarding the regulations that the uh, the governor has mandated in an executive order. They do not want to enforce mask laws, but people are coming in. Or mask orders, I should say. People are coming in and giving staff grief, and it's and to me, it's like, why would you do that? It's not uh, this, the staff doesn't want to do this. They had one person throw a, a mask in a sixteen-year-old girl's face who was just the hostess. I want to see place. that guy in jail, yeah, or that woman in jail. And I'm never that that person. You can't take it out on these employees. It's as wrong as wrong can be, and we're seeing it in a lot of places. You oppose the mask, go see the governor, and go to it. I'm not going to tell you no, but it's sure as bloody hell better than taking it out on some employee who works there. That, right. That's ugly. And again, the confusion part is what's really got people upset. But if you're snitching on, a, on another business, they're trying to survive. They're trying to survive. And really, you know what? I can't anymore. I'm done with my coronavirus talk. Next subject. Well, here is a, a little happy story, Tony. Let's do a oh, I like fo- a happy story. Let's do a follow up on the the gents last week in Lincoln, Nebraska. Who who, who dressed, saucy nugs guy? Yeah, saucy nugs guys that we should not be calling boneless chicken wings boneless chicken wings because wings have bones. Yes, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings is giving one dollar per boneless wing a uh, chicken wing to the Boys and Girls Club uh, on this past Monday and. Uh, they put this guy, good-natured, on a wanted poster as part of the marketing. Oh, Andrew Christensen Andrew is his Christensen. name. The guy who went to his town council meeting and said, we have to stop the name Boneless Chicken Wings. We have to let children know that wings have bones and it's okay and they're delicious. So good for Buffalo Wild Wings for getting in on the mix and understanding it. I think Lincoln, Nebraska's got to go full bore. I think they have to call themselves, because what this guy said is, call boneless wings what they are, chicken tenders, or call them saucy nugs. And I think they have to call themselves the saucy nug capital of America. They have to have a saucy nug competition. 20,000, 30,000 people will show up if you have a saucy nug competition. And it's just a weekend of people serving, you know, boneless chicken wings. And have a rivalry with Buffalo, New York. Sure. You got the, the the real wings versus our saucy nugs. You have people come in, celebrities. Uh, Prince Henry could come in and, and do a thing. You know, Prince Harry. Oh, Harry, he's not doing anything. Prince Henry. He's no longer. He's no longer Prince. Neither is Henry. He is now <laughs> Mr. Meghan Markle. That's exactly who he is. He he gave up all opportunities and nobility. This is Eat Drink Smoke. There are good ideas in the world, but sometimes the good idea is in the wrong place. It happens all the time. You'll see a restaurant idea. You'll see a a business idea. You'll be like, that's great, but why here? It doesn't work here. This is the story of why Los Angeles is a terrible place to open a whiskey hotel. (laughs) And if you think this is a slam on Los Angeles, you're absolutely correct. Eat, drink, smoke. Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Eat, drink, smoke, write a review, leave a five-star review. You can find us on iHeart, uh, Stitcher, Google Play. We are everywhere. In Scotland, there are whiskey-focused hotels, and it's a smart idea. You're in Scotland. You want to be able to do the tour, see the things. You're only going to get scotch in Scotland. That's 
That makes perfect sense. There's nothing wrong with a whiskey-focused hotel, Fingers Malloy. I'm in. No, nothing wrong at all. Conceptually, I'm completely and totally there. The Whiskey Hotel, which is spelled with a K-Y. So when you see whiskey, W-H-I-S-K-E-Y, that's American. And we're talking about American whiskey here. When you see W-H-I-S-K-Y without the E, you're talking about things that are European or Canadian. That's what the spelling difference means. They've got a brand new 134-room, seven-story property being built in the heart of Hollywood. Can I tell you what a bad idea this is to be in Los Angeles? Well, you used to be a California guy. You know, we're yeah, in Central I spent Indiana six right, years in LA. You know, we're in Central Indiana right now. I've only been to San Diego, so please explain to me why being in, in this part of Los Angeles is, is a bad idea. It's not about being in this part of Los Angeles. It's about being in Los Angeles. The drink culture of L.A. is not going to be a drink culture that is focused on bourbon. It's going to be a drink culture that's focused on non-alcoholic drinks. It's going to be a drink culture that's focused on very, very things in the ether. People who are into bourbon aren't superficial folk. And I'm not saying that everybody in L.A. is. Here's the, the, the weird truth about L.A. Once you're outside of L.A. proper, if you're into, let's say, the San Fernando Valley, you meet lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of totally normal people. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's absolutely true. But no one is heading to Hollywood as a destination to then engage in whiskey. It has some level of kitsch, but this seems something that would be much better in the Midwest. This is something that would be much better in, in, in Texas. There are places where this could really have a play. There's a group of hotels that are museum hotels. I think they're called 21C. I was at one in Cincinnati before coronavirus really hit. And it's artwork everywhere. It, was, it wasn't it was even my kind of art, but it changes out. It was exceptionally cool. I happen to be an art guy, right? I I, I love art. I am an Edward Hopper psychopath. I, I, here in Indianapolis, there's some Edward Hoppers that, that hang in what used to be known as the Indianapolis Museum of Art. It's now called New Fields. I can sit for an hour and stare at, at Hopper. There's something about that use of light, that use of color, moves me in a way that is irrational. But it, it just, it gets me in the same way David Hockney gets me for, for t- different colors, totally different reason. Uh, David Hockney and I would disagree on a million things, I'm sure. But man, I could watch the art all day. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. You're going to Hollywood for the Hollywood reasons. Right. So if you wanted to have a museum hotel that focused on old Hollywood and things like that, fine. Whiskey doesn't play. It's, it, it's the wrong combination. It's trying to force the square peg into the hole that doesn't exist. Don't you get a sense that in five years this place is going to be a hard rock? <laughs> I mean, Man, really. But hard rock hotel I would absolutely get. No, in five years this won't exist. This won't exist. And, and never mind anything you want to say politically about uh, Los no. Angeles or California. We'll leave that for another time. It's just conceptually, it's the wrong place for the thing. And, that's the, and, and I'm stunned by it. And someone's like, yeah, I'm going to spend my millions of dollars to meet all of those codes to build something. And, and we, we all know travel's down. I, I don't, it, it makes no sense. No, I don't understand it. I, I would think that this would be, like you said, in, in, a, in a, what I would consider a bourbon destination. I mean, we're so close to Kentucky, and you hear about these these bourbon trails where people can go from one distillery to another. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like a fantastic time. Uh, 
you know, maybe not necessarily, you know, because it's kind of rural Kentucky in a lot of uh, areas uh, with, with these distilleries, you know. But, I mean, for crying out loud, Louisville, I can understand that. You know right. what I mean? But Los Angeles isn't a bourbon destination. No, I think it's I think it's a swing and a miss. Conceptually, I'm in. Location-wise, I'm not. Speaking of location, 77 locations closing. This is Texas. I don't know if it's pronounced Lubies or Lubbies. It's the cafeteria chain. I know of it. I've never been to one, but they are closing all 77 locations. Our Texas people hit worse. KYYW where we're on in Abilene. Uh, Texas, man, this is this is just absolutely horrible because not only do they own this entire grouping of restaurants, they own Fuddruckers. Oh no, no. Fuddruckers is going out too, and this is all coronavirus. Every single part of it is coronavirus. We have known and talking about Vegas and other things that the whole cafeteria world is 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 out, and how they're going to have to retrofit to figure out how to survive and change. That's real because that's also stigma. No one's going to go up to a place where other people have been near the sneeze guard. Right. right. No, Rational I mean, or irrational, leave that look, aside. I, I've never been to Lubbies, Lubies, or whatever. The, the, We're going to get a lot of feedback I, yeah, on Twitter. I, and I apologize. We go eat, drink, smoke. Love you, Texas. I'm just a, a Midwestern boy, okay? I haven't I haven't been to Texas as much as I would he like to. He hasn't lived a full no, life. I will be down there uh, this week, so I will see if I can find one of these places if they're still open. I don't know if they're closing like tomorrow. But, uh, no, you're right. Fuddruckers is big in the Midwest. Uh, I would go to Fuddruckers, and you you take the toppings from the topping bar. Right. Nobody's going to want to do that. We, we, you talked about Vegas. Uh, we've seen some Vegas uh, hotels. They aren't reopening their, their buffets, or if they are, they're reinventing the buffet. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that are going to be changing. I had a, a friend who's a fellow radio host with me on WIBC in Indianapolis. Uh, he went with his wife and, and kid to Vegas for, for a long weekend. Uh, Labor Day weekend. They went for a long weekend. And he said, there were people. It's just not the same. It's not the same amount of people. And when you're sitting at the pool, I mean, temperatures last weekend in Los Angeles hit 121 degrees. Right. Insane. So Vegas had to be 105, 110 without question. Sitting at the pool, you have to wear a mask. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. No, I, it, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen in Vegas. Now, you know, the NFL is kicking off this weekend. They have this. Oh, God, that's right. They, we will get into that. They have this beautiful new stadium for the Los Angeles, or excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> Los Angeles, Los Oakland, Angeles Oakland. wherever they're from. I mean, the they, Al Davis Raiders. Yeah, this place is a palace. And the NFL in most cities, they're not allowing fans to attend. And even if they do allow them to attend, 25% capacity at the most. Here you've got, you've been planning for what, four years to open the stadium, had this grand opening, and oh, well, yeah, on second thought, that's not going to happen. But, you know, it's just back to the, the the bigger chains. You would think a place with 77 locations, they, they've got the capital, they can, they can work this through. Nope, because tastes have changed. The entire way people move and operate has changed, and Fuddruckers as well, and I... I go back to, will we see these quick serve type of places? And Fuddruckers isn't necessarily quick serve. Will we see them fall out of, of, of love with people or people fall out of love with them because they realize they can cook at home. They realize they can make everything at home. And what they can do is they'll go out 
for the nicer meals. I want to see if steakhouses have seen the increase because if I'm going to cook 90% of my meals at home, I can afford to go out with my wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever it is, or the family to that nicer place and spend the money and actually get a meal that's worthwhile as opposed to the money we were throwing for just something to put in. I'm not, that's not an insult to Fuddruckers. That's a conversation about so many places. Well, that's what's going to be interesting is, you know, for lack of a better term, the middle class restaurants. You know, the, the fast food joints. Not a bad way to put it. The, the fast food joints, they're seeing an uptick in business because people are just going to the drive-thru. They aren't going in and they aren't going to dine. And then will the, the fine dining, will that spike and will all the middle of the road restaurants suffer? That you know, that's probably a better way to put it. I always think that the, the quick serve places will be out, but maybe I'm wrong. This is Eat Drink Smoke. I am a flat out sucker for the Cameroon, everybody. I'm talking about the Cameroon wrapper of a cigar. There is something that brings out a sweet in that, a touch of nut in that, a touch of joy in that. I search out Cameroon cigars. But rarely do I search out Arturo Fuente. For whatever reason, it's psychological. It's in my head and I am wrong. I don't search out Arturo Fuente cigars until you get to the Arturo Fuente Don Carlos Presidente Cameroon. Mm -hmm. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Great to be with you where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, and smoke the fine cigars. Tony Katz and Fingers Malloy. This is the cigar today. It's an interesting shape in terms of the size because it doesn't quite fit Churchill. It doesn't quite fit other uh, sizes, this Presidente, six and a half inches with a 50 ring gauge. Cameroon flavoring is, it, that Cameroon wrapper, I should say, just gives me a flavor I absolutely adore. Me, I'm a sucker for the Rocky Patel Cameroon, the 2003 vintage. I think that cigar is fantastic. CAO makes a solid, solid Cameroon. This Arturo Fuente is fantastic. This is Dominican in terms of where it's from. The Cameroon wrapper, Dominican binder and filler. That's what's inside. And when I talk about uh, the size, it comes in at six and a half by 50. So six and a half refers to the fact that it's six and a half inches long. Teehee. Always makes Fingers Malloy laugh when I say that. And it's a 50 ring gauge. That's how thick it is around. Teehee. Also makes him laugh. Just to give you a way to compare it, a 64 ring gauge would be a full inch around. 50 is a nice, comfortable feel in the hand. It's a nice, comfortable mouthfeel as well. Uh, and it's... It, this, for me, is the size and shape of a cigar that is my go-to. Because when I smoke, Fingers Malloy, I'm giving myself the time to smoke always. And so I can get through all of this, which, depending on who you are, is an hour to an hour and a half, without question. Absolutely. And we have both been looking over to see if we can get some coffee with this because it's going to pair very well. It's also pairing very well with the whiskey. Uh, but... You know, we're, we're just into the first third, and I looked at you right away and said, did you get the, the nutty notes right off the bat? Uh, that's what is coming through right now for me, as well as um, a sweetness. I can't right. put my finger on exactly what I it is. I would argue that the sweetness of this cigar, in terms of what the Cameroon offers, very often I ascribe to wood, almost uh, some people would say a cedar kind of feel to it. I get a wonderful, glorious cream out of Cameroons. I find it remarkably, remarkably soothing. Now, let me say again, Arturo Fuente makes absolutely fantastic cigars. I don't, so I don't want the Arturo Fuente people mad at me. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I have a mental block. Whenever I'm in a humidor, 
I pass right by and I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. My name is Tony Katz and I have a problem. <laughs> I know that I'm wrong, but I will tell you, this is the first time I'm doing the, the Presidente. I, it's not that I haven't done Don Carlos. It's not that I haven't done Arturo Fuentes before. It's the first time doing this. This is a wonderful Cameroon wrapper. This is a nice, deeper kind of milk chocolate. You can actually see the leaf in terms of how it's rolled. Sometimes it blends in very, very well. I like to see it. I like to see the leaf in the construction. It's got just a touch of oil and it's a touch gritty. I happen to love that in a wrapper. I want to feel that bit of grit. I want it to have just that that slightest bit of, okay, not perfectly smooth, but you can, you can the oil will, you could feel it in your hand, and, I, and that is where so much of the flavor is. But this is a nice, nice mix of just a touch of spice being Dominican, and then that creaminess that, that comes out of, for me, a, a, a Cameroon wrapper, underrated as anything out there. I search out Cameroons any chance I get. Well, and you know, you can't fault yourself for not being drawn to a particular brand of cigar you're drawn to what you're drawn to and it's very easy to get into a habit or into a rut and the challenge as a, a, if you're a beginning cigar smoker or you know a, a person that's been smoking for years is to continue to try to go outside your comfort zone and try new things you walk into a humidor the humidor here at blend bar cigar in indianapolis is is larger than my first studio apartment tony <laughs> it is from floor to ceiling it's full of cigars. And you can find this online as well. But I want to explain why. And, and my, my reason why, it, I'm totally wrong. Uh, this cigar is, is a medium to full-bodied cigar. But for me, it doesn't play that way. The sweetness that I get out of the Cameroon totally pushes it into that me very, very easy medium category. Always has uh, for me. My issue is bias. I don't know what it is there I am and I think that pe when you talk about ruts I think you're absolutely right fingers that that people do that for me I look at some brands and I'm like that's old school I look at some labels and I'm like that's old school and it's just it's it it's true about me that there are some things that are considered the standards the classics the names that I kind of avoid I'm not right uh, about that. And when I've been paying attention to what I've been smoking lately and going through what's in my humidor and going through what we've been reviewing and looking at, and I'm like, I'm missing a whole sector and a whole gamut. I, I do this for a living, right? <laughs> we do eat, drink, smoke. I, I do uh, cigar reviews uh, on, on Instagram. If you follow Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast, the real cigar reviews, uh, you can check those out. We're building that out. I adore the cigar industry, and even I find myself in these places where I'm like, no, nah, nah, I no, don't, I don't smoke that. And I don't have a good answer. And I asked myself the other day, why not? And the answer is, there was no answer. I was just wrong. I allowed myself somewhere in the back of my head, somewhere deep in the occipital, to, to, to make this, this claim. Right. And this claim is absolutely backwards. No, you have to go outside the box. You know, we've talked about you know how you're more of the cigar guy on the show, and I'm more of the alcohol guy. Uh, I was drinking or I was smoking more of the alcohol guy <laughs> you are all of the alcohol guy fingers Malloy America's favorite amateur drinker oh but back in the 90s I started getting into cigars and I would listen to sports talk radio and punch was a huge sponsor of sports talk radio so when I would go to a cigar bar and I didn't you know I was um, a little bit apprehensive to, to, to talk to anybody there about what I should order I was just like give me give me a punch cigar and when I got back into it 
and I was around you, I would smoke punch, and you'd be like, well, you know, there's so much more. I'll, and there's nothing wrong with punch. punch there's makes nothing some, wrong with punch. Punch makes a great cigar. The after-dinner cigar, I believe, a couple years ago was uh, Cigar Aficionado's top 10. They make a good product. But you were like, hey, look at look, walk into that humidor and look at all the options out there. And it's just, it's so true that you can get yourself in, you can get yourself into places that you're not, you don't even know that you're in. And I feel that way about Arturo Fuente, so I'm trying to build myself and remind myself there are things worth trying. Now, when we review a cigar, we review it in its thirds, first third, second third, and final third, right? That's the way we break down a cigar. The cigar flavors will change as you go uh, through it. Write down what it is you're experiencing with the cigar. Write down what you ate that day. Write down the weather. Uh, what were you drinking with it? Yeah, we've got the Henry McKenna 10-year, the bottled in bond, which is tremendous, but absolutely got a coffee with this. I am such a huge fan of coffee with the cigar. I can't even take it. If it grows together, it goes together. It's just it's just what I love more than anything else. But the, 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 the little bit of cocoa that you're getting, the little bit of cream that you're getting, the touch of spice uh, that, that's in there because it's Dominican is just playing very, very well. And at an MSRP of 12 to $14 oh, a stick. All day, every day. So you're talking about six and a half inches, so you feel like you're getting value of it. Now, that's not a reason to get a cigar. There are plenty of five-inch cigars out there that'll do you just fine. But you feel like there's a full value here. And in this flavor profile, the Arturo Fuente Presidente Don Carlos is just doing the job. You got to try this for yourself. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. The good news is here. The season is upon us. Trader Joe's has released its 2020 pumpkin products. Oh, good Lord. Never stops. Eat, drink, smoke. Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy. And Fingers, who is America's favorite amateur drinker, he is in love with all things pumpkin. Why do you hate me? If, if, if there's a uh, pumpkin spice in a coffee, he wants it. If there's a pumpkin spice uh, flavored waffle, he's got to have it. If there's a pumpkin spice uh, uh, whiskey, oh, dear Lord, bring it his way. Anything pumpkin spice. Why don't you tell everybody, Fingers Malloy, what it is you enjoy about pumpkin spice so much? Pumpkin spice is not a lifestyle. (laughs) Please make it stop. Pumpkin spice bread, that's fine. Pumpkin spice pastries, that's fine. Pumpkin spice whiskey, not so much. Pumpkin spice alcohol, not so much. How about spicy pumpkin curry for your simmer sauce? I'm, I'm sorry. What? Pumpkin Pump- and curry. Oh, together, like nuts and gum. Together at last. <laughs> <laughs> pumpkin empanadas. A, del- a delicately spiced pumpkin filling in a traditional flaky pastry. Okay. So it's a dessert. Okay. I'll buy that. But it's not an empanada. Well, No. I it's mean, not an empanada. It's not an empanada. Well, look, we get this in this argument all the time. About I'm pretty taco- sure it's cultural appropriation. Yeah, it's like Taco Bell calling themselves Mexican food, right? <laughs> uh, there is a pumpkin butternut squash bisque. People are weird about butternut squash. I love butternut, like that kind of soup. I adore that kind of stuff. And pumpkin plays well. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that too. A bisque. And, and that's another thing too. A bisque to me is a fall, winter type right. soup. You know, so that that that's wonderful. I I'm, I'm I'm in on that one. So this is all at Trader Joe's. You can go right now and get it. Wouldn't Trader Joe's make a great sponsor of the Eat Drink Smoke They'd Radio be Show? Fantastic! I would wear an I Heart Pumpkin Spice Trader Joe's T-shirt if they became a sponsor of the Eat Drink Smoke Radio. Well, program. if they do, they will also give us a year supply of pumpkin spice protein smoothie. 
fingers. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. You got to see how angry he is. It's just, it's dismay and disgust and just, he's uncontrollable. He's apoplectic. Here's a problem. And I know this is a personal uh, personality flaw on my part. You just started saying pumpkin spice and I immediately dismiss it. A pumpkin spice, a pumpkin spice smoothie. Okay. Oh, you're totally wrong. Okay. I'd rather eat a pumpkin empanada, a pumpkin spice empanada, than a pumpkin spice smoothie. Oh, my God. That sounds awful. But you're getting protein, Tony. 11 grams of it, according <laughs> to them. And then you can sh- you can pair that with some pumpkin tortilla chips. No. <laughs> no. Why? Wait, 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 what are you going to do with the tortilla chips? Pumpkin tortilla chips. Okay, I have seen uh, there's some really popular... A blends of salsa, maybe a pineapple salsa, a fruitier salsa. I mean, but what do you get? Cinnamon salsa? What would go good with pumpkin tortilla chips? Nothing. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. They also have pumpkin ravioli. Now, no, 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 no. I'm gonna go the other way with this as a dessert thing, right? It's got it, that. That's a wonderful sweetness. Is it traditional? Oh God, no. Okay, but what's the sauce? What's the sauce that goes with the pumpkin ravioli? What would go with that? I mean, to me, what would you do? Just put it plain on a plate? You got to have some sauce with your ravioli. I would actually just use the olive oil and let the the flavoring of the ravioli kind of flavor, see if it flavored everything else in that way. A little oregano? And, uh, no, no, no. A little turmeric? No. <laughs> no That's awful. Uh, stop it. By the way, they do have pumpkin spice coffee, which you can get by the can or in the single serve uh, pumpkin spice coffee cups. Okay, you're not doing that right. I mean, you you no. you love your coffee. No, I do. I'm not as, as as picky about my coffee as you. I'll go to the gas station and grab a hot, steamy cup of Joe that's probably sat in that pot for six hours, and I'll be fine with it if I put enough uh, cream S- stuff in it. Yeah, stuff stuff in it to not make it taste like coffee. Schmutz? I don't no, 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 not, <laughs> not, not schmutz. schmutz? Not your schmutz? Yiddish is awful. <laughs> Holy cow! You think I would have picked my up grandmother more is ashamed of you, Central Indiana. Holy but you gracious. wouldn't do pumpkin coffee. No, not it. Not I wouldn't. That's not a flavoring that would work for me. But I've discussed the fact that I have found s'mores coffee that I add just a little bit to, and it, that gives a nice little bit of sweet. And every now and then, that's worthwhile. I see. I can see that. But and it, it is weird that I, you know, I'm the, the same way when it comes to uh, coffee. I can't see pumpkin coffee, but I do love. I love pumpkin pie. I love this oh, time God, of yes. year for pumpkin pie, and I love it with a cup of coffee. Sure. But I don't take the cup, uh, take the pie, and swirl it around in my coffee, right? And make it pumpkin coffee. Luckily for you, you can get pumpkin samosas, and not just any kind of pumpkin samosas. Oh no! At Trader Joe's, you can get spicy pumpkin oh. samosas. I, I I don't know what to do with this. Spiced pumpkin and paneer filling wrapped in a crispy, flaky pastry. That sounds absolutely awful. Not as bad as pumpkin spice granola bark. Oh, see, I don't have a problem with that either. What? <laughs> You've gone soft in your old age. <laughs> right? That's no. Just... I mean, if it's desserty, I just, is, is that a word? Desserty? Pumpkin spice flavored granola layered with 66% cacao dark, cacao, cacao, cacao dark chocolate and topped with toasted pumpkin seeds. No. Okay. I'm out. Yeah. Totally, totally out. Pumpkin seeds? Yeah, it's 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 all it's all too much. But if that's if all of those pumpkin spice things don't work for you, luckily they have from is it Vive or Vive V I V E pumpkin spice spiked seltzer. 
It is the hard seltzer craze meeting the shark. It has just jumped. We are done with the seltzers. And you can agree, hard seltzer is not for you. Isn't that right, Fingers Malloy? Oh, that's the setup. That is totally the setup, everybody. So I, I am- set him up for just nothing but failure. Listen now to Fingers Malloy lose his manhood. I, Fingers? I am desperate to lose weight. Uh, and so I decided <laughs> to go on the little low-carb thing that the kids are crazy about. And I've lost 30 pounds. I've that's a, incredible, by the way. I don't see it. You still look terrible. Thank but that's you. really impressive. It's the nicest thing anyone said to me in the last two minutes. Uh, but no, I so I try to eliminate the carbs. These these hard seltzer, whatever the the, the spiked seltzer, uh, a lot of them have two grams of carbs in a can. Right. A buddy of mine, a mutual friend of ours, who's keto. I, I love that you blame it on somebody else. Yes, it's so great. He said, "Try it, try it." So I tried it, and I wanted to hate it. And uh, wait, what kind was it? Truly, T R U L I, or or is it with a Y? Why? Why? And uh, they, they had a multi-pack. Uh, there was a watermelon, kiwi, mango, passion fruit, and pineapple. It's getting smaller as you sit there. Yeah, isn't I it? know. Yeah, and I got to tell you, the pineapple tasted like pineapple perfume, but <laughs> <laughs> the mango, it was like okay, I could drink this on a hot summer day. Only one or two. They're very sweet. Are they? But, yeah, I can. I can understand where. Why people in, on a hot summer day by a pool would take a couple of these? Um, I made sure I was grilling at the time. Uh, I had it in an insulated cup. I poured it in there so nobody was seeing me waving around my cigar my, my, next to my. You grill. weren't being a woo girl drinking uh, your white no, claw. No, no. <laughs> but uh, I want I, Tony. I wanted to hate it, but it, it was, was good. It was it was passable. Yeah. We. <laughs> It got the job done, Tony. We have coming up uh, an entire episode uh, of reviewing uh, hard seltzers. Budweiser's in on this game. Everybody's in on this game. We're going to have to do it. I guarantee you, pumpkin spice spiked seltzer will not be there unless we're doing it just to figure out how awful it can be. It can't be good, right? No, it can't. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, drink, smoke. It is your cigar, bourbon, foodie, radio extravaganza. Tony Katz, Fingers Malloy. Get the podcast, Apple Podcast, write the review, leave the five-star review, unless you're listening to the podcast, in which case, hey, what's up? (laughs) We're on stations all across the country and really appreciate it. Welcome, WDBO in Orlando. Good to have you. Glad that you are here. Uh, That's a trip we're going to have to make sometime in December or January. Okay. Or or maybe all of December. (laughs) And January for sure. It is a review of the Arturo Fuente Presidente, the Don Carlos, the Cameroon rapper. Wonderful. Wonderful. And at 12 to $14 a stick, absolutely wonderful in your humidor. A few of them. This can be a nice everyday smoke. This can be an easy share with people cigar. It's uh, six and a half inches with a 50 ring gauge. Just wonderful. Oh, it is wonderful. This the 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 nutty notes that come from this the the sweetness that that, that comes from it it pairs very well with the coffee that we both ordered and at what we, what we said this was $15 a stick 12 to 14 oh my goodness it it I, I believe it has to be in your humidor and we're doing the Henry McKenna 10 year bottled in bond bourbon which is just wonderful i got to admit as a pairing with this cigar there's a little more heat on the on, on the on the bourbon on the Henry McKenna, which I don't know if it's the perfect pairing with this cigar, 
But as a standalone, the Henry McKenna is wonderful with an MSRP of $30 a bottle. Very, very enjoyable. $30 a bottle. And to have it be that enjoyable, definitely something that needs to be in your liquor cabinet. With a little bit of cool water or, or a couple of ice chips, I would not recommend it on the big cube. Just open that baby up just a touch is all you need to do. Fingers Malloy, it is time for news of the week. Tony, you know how fast food restaurants or chain restaurants, they'll have little specialty menu items that they'll test out in certain markets? Sure. Arby's. You've heard of Arby's, right? They have meat. They do have meat. And now, in certain locations in the Atlanta area, you can buy their meat standalone. You can buy it by the pound, Tony. That's brilliant. That's absolutely positively brilliant. The ad campaign has been spectacular. It has worked. I I don't know the last time I was in an Arby's, but I was, I was watching. Are you kidding? No, I don't know the last time I was in. I don't know the last time I was in a fast food place. It's just not my style, man. Oh, I'm not. I'm not getting angry at you. I'm just. It's not where I normally go. I wasn't angry. I'm you, just, you were angry. I'm angry. I'm not pumpkin spice angry, Tony. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just surprised. Maybe it's because there was a time, and you. I, I'm sure you could tell by looking at me. I would be eating fast food to to three times a day. A time two weeks from now, you're gonna be you're gonna be eating fast food. I know that's, you very very that's well. That's the kind of support I expect from a friend. Lost thirty pounds on keto. <laughs> Next week, I had five roast beef sandwiches. <laughs> it was five for five dollars. I had to. They have jalapeno poppers there. They're fantastic with bronco berry sauce. Um, Arby's would make a fantastic sponsor of the Eat Wouldn't Drink they? Smoke Radio oh Program. Gosh, I'd I'd wear the hat. I would wear the Pharrell Arby's hat. Anywhere you go. But that's a, it's a great idea, right? I mean, especially during coronavirus times when people don't want to necessarily go to the grocery store. They could just go to the drive-thru and say, give me a pound of turkey. So is it the same thing like you would do meals, like if you like at a Boston market and you could like do the whole meal kind of thing? Is it that kind of thing? Or can I get a sandwich and just get a pound of roast beef? Do I have to get it with like mashed potatoes like as a family kind of thing? Well, like a, a, according to uh, the Today Show, which, uh, the Today Show? Yes. They, Love you, Hoda Kotb. <laughs> Don't know the last time I watched, but you're my girl. Uh, they, I'm just going to put that out there right now. Why not? They're selling this like deli meat. So that's, oh. that's it's like okay. in a bag. Here you go. Here's a pound of turkey. Here's a pound that of That is super meat. smart. That's super smart. You've seen a lot of restaurants that when coronavirus hit and they needed a way to be open to be able to do that kind of serving, they turned themselves into markets and they would have everything and they'd have fruits and they'd have if you wanted toilet paper remember when you couldn't get toilet paper all those kinds of things this is a a nice play into that and very smart the last time the reason i brought up uh the whole conversation not being in an arby's i'm watching comedians and cars getting coffee jerry seinfeld yeah which some of the interviews are i'm not interested some of them are good and some of them are excellent and and seinfeld uh, god bless him He's at this stage where he's got all the money and most everybody loves him. He cares about nothing. It's He just wants to be around people who interest him and he's very okay with saying, this is not interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. I want no part of this. Thank you. Thank you very much. But I forget who he did the show with and after they got coffee, it was like, are you still hungry? Yeah. And they went to an Arby's and they're driving and they're <laughs> eating Arby's. They're like, this is great. I'm like, how much, how much did Arby's pay for that ad or how much earned media comes from that? I'm like, all right. Because the weirdest part is you think of Seinfeld as the character from Seinfeld. 
would he be caught dead eating Arby's? And then you see him eating Arby's, and you're like, my mind is totally blown. Yeah, I mean, you look at the guy, and you can tell he takes care of himself. And I'm not saying that people who eat Arby's don't take care of themselves, but it, he doesn't look like a fast food cat. You know what I mean? And, uh, well, I never, and I should have thought of that. Okay, how much money did Arby's throw at comedians and cars getting coffee to be able to do that? But you're right, it is entertaining to see. He just doesn't care. You know, I mean, if, if something annoys him, he'll let you know. Right. And his guests will be like, yeah, I'm not interested in that. I don't want any part of that. Maybe you don't know who I am. And the guest laughs. Let's move it along, right? Because he's got a way of being able to say that and get away with it. it right. It's, 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 I, look, I'm not going to compare him to Don Rickles, but it's kind of Rickles-esque. Where he's 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 getting to the point where everybody knows Jerry and he could say something like that and it could offend some people and the person sitting in front just laughs. He had Bill Burr on the show oh. and they're sitting in some diner breakfast joint wherever and Bill Burr is like you know people think you're just the, you know this funny observational guy no 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 look at your comedy you are angry <laughs> my man you are angry you know it's like Brian Regan. He, he does this whole show clean, but that guy is angry. That guy could pop. And I think that's totally accurate from Bill Burr. When Bill, totally accurate. When Bill Burr calls you angry. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bill Burr. It's, it's, it's so, it's some, now some of them are really a miss, but man, the Bill, check out the Bill Burr episode. That one's great because when they're done, they go to like this place Bill Burr smokes at and they smoke a cigar. Yeah. It, it was fantastic. Next. All kinds of stakeholders from environmental activists to venture capitalists are counting on the growth of the cultured meat market, Tony. You mean fake meat? You mean lab-grown no, meat? No, no, it's, it's meat that listens to classical music. Oh, oh okay. Has tea and crumpets. Yes. Puck. Yes. <laughs> Lab-generated meat. Uh, Gen Z is not interested. And we're talking about a market which is obviously growing. We're talking about 2 billion people worldwide. A recent poll... Uh, suggests that um, uh, in Australia, 72% of Gen Zs said they are not interested in eating meat grown in a lab. I'm with them. They're right. Gen Z will save us all. Gen X saved us once. Gen Z, it's every other generation. They're right. The, the silent generation, skip the baby boomers, go right to Gen X, and then skip the millennials, go right to Gen Z, and everything's going to be fine. Millennials get the worst rap because there's so many good millennials out there, but yeah. yet there's so much insanity. They get the worst rap. I feel bad. Some of them earned it. That's all <laughs> there is to it. I get it. The, uh, listen, uh, the, the whole Beyond Meat craze, I understand why people would be interested conceptually. And if you tell me you can create this food and actually feed the world from it, I'm down. No problem whatsoever. But it's, it's, it's not that it's off-putting. It's almost that it's forced. Like, you have to be down with this. You have to be okay with this. You, how, how could you not accept this as the new way? And the answer is, uh, because I have a grill. Right. And, and I've seen cows. And I know what they taste like. We made short ribs the other day. Yeah. In the oven. It's, sorry, it's purist. It's the way I do it. And it was a, the, the marinade is a soy, a soy sauce, garlic. Uh, honey, sensational, exceptional. I, I, I prefer a beef rib just the way I am. Uh, it's not, I'm not opposed to ribs ribs. I just prefer a beef rib. Sensational. I don't know if I would ever bring myself to say, hey, this isn't real meat. Let's try it. No, I, I, I can't do it, but we need to get you a grill, Tony. Uh, we need to get you a grill. We got to figure we? this out. I don't know what to do. I have grill paralysis. Total paralysis. I just... 
I don't know what it is I want. I don't know what it is I want to buy. I don't know what it is I want to spend. And I'm and I'm just at a loss. I am just I, I wish I could figure it out. So if you've got ideas, let us know on Facebook, Eat Drink Smoke. This is Eat Drink Smoke. Maybe football will save sports because the viewership is down in baseball and in basketball and in hockey. And now that we're in the weekend where pro football comes back, maybe we'll see the audience come back. Or maybe not. Maybe the bigger question is, what are you going to drink when you are or aren't watching <laughs> pro football? It's Eat, Drink, Smoke, everybody. Tony Katz and Fingers Malloy right here. You are a football guy. You are wearing your Detroit Lions gear as we speak, Fingers Malloy. Forward down the field, a Lion team that will not yield. And when the blue and silver wave, stand and cheer the brave. Rock, rock, rock. Okay. Holy cow. The only one I know is J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. It's the only one I know. I didn't know there was well, a we, fight song we, for the Lions. We sing that after they score, so you don't you don't hear it very often. Oh, okay. Now now I understand. Yeah. Uh, bef- never mind who's going to watch. And, I, and I'm curious, your predictions for whether or not the audience is going to be there. Not even what are you drinking, although I'm curious what you're drinking for, for, for football. How much... What is an average Fingers Malloy? As you know, Fingers Malloy is America's favorite amateur drinker. How much gets gets consumed by someone who has been locked up, quarantined, locked down, kept away from society, no sports, they the basketball, the, the baseball, no interest, football, really and truly America's game. No longer baseball, it's football. It's America's game. Yep. How much are you consuming and at what time does it begin well it begins at 11 30 right, yeah, right? 11 30 right the, after you know, church right for the pregame show i don't know if i should share this story with you i only hope you do you're but not sharing it with me you're sharing it with the us last, your friends yes, the and la- this is a safe space this is an embarrassing story and i can't believe i'm going to tell you this uh met some friends for we watched the one o'clock game the four o'clock game and the eight o'clock game a lot of football. The sports bar we were at had, and this was a while ago, so I'm going to say don't judge me, but you're going to judge me anyway. Yes, I uh, They had 110-ounce towers of Bud Light for $10. 110-ounce tower of Bud Light for $10. Okay. I drank two towers, Tony. I got there at 11.30, left at 10 p.m., uh, and, and for those of you uh, who are curious, I was not driving, but and that sounds like a lot of beer. That sounds like a, a, a ridiculous amount of beer. Right but now, you're six two, six three. Oh, excuse me, and six three at a fighting weight right now of uh, two fifty nine. Right. So, uh, and and by the way, was not you know falling uh, off the stool drunk or anything. Think about this. We started at eleven thirty. At two pints an hour, you're going to go through all that beer. And you start at 11.30, you're done at 10 p.m. That's almost, what, we'll do the math there. Let me see if I carry the one. I love the fact that, that you say I'm go- you're, it's embarrassing, and then you totally rationalized it. You're like, no, 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 it's fine, really, because when, 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 you, when you grab an abacus and you do the math, it's totally normal. So that's 220 ounces of Bud Light in, on a Sunday, Tony. Is that more Bud Light than you've consumed in your entire life? Yes. <laughs> It absolutely, positively is. Uh, 
understand I do a show about drinking and smoking. I'm a sipper. I have never been, never been a big drinker at all. I can nurse a beer like it's my job. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about the same pint for four hours. Wow. And not finish it. It's just, and, and it, nothing against Bud Light. That wouldn't be for me. If I'm drinking, it's a stout or it's a porter. It's an amber. Nothing with pumpkin spice. It's it, that. That's what I'm doing. Oh, I'm the same, but it was ten dollars, Tony. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I'm also for the bargain, and I was like, I well, had you know, to. After, yeah, I was like, after you know, I actually do. I, I'll have a Bud Light and somewhat enjoy it. Like you said, I'm more of a stout and porter guy than than a, a light beer guy. But if you get some really hot wings. Really spicy wings. I I do see like, again. That's never gonna happen. What's the point? Flavor in a wing, a little heat in a wing. Sure, the people who do the overly spiced wings and and it's got chunks of habaneros. <laughs> the Three Mile and, and Island, so, right? Yeah. I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand why. I don't understand what you're doing to yourself. What are you proving? It can't be fun. I've watched you. You're kind of, the, the nose is running and there's the spittle shooting out of your mouth yeah. and you're sweating. That's un, unless you just rolled over and said, wow, honey, that was great. I don't understand how you would ever want to feel that way. Right. But to answer your question, I think it all depends on how many games you're going to watch. Like I used to have Sunday ticket and for years, 1130. Okay. I'll crack a beer and I'll watch the pregame. I'm watching the one o'clock game. I'm watching the four o'clock game. I'm watching the eight o'clock game. And I'm, you know, sipping some beers along the way. You know, if I'm at home, it, it's probably eight Guinness. You know, so I, it all depends on how many, how many games you're watching. Uh, but I, it's going to be very interesting to see viewership numbers. Yeah. Uh, what the ratings are going to be like. But you're watching. You're going to watch opening weekend. You're going to oh, be there I, right yeah, now. Absolutely. You're watching. You know, look, I know that everything is politicized in this country now, and people are upset about politics creeping into sports. And I've said to myself, whether I agree with the politics it, that's being introduced in sports or disagree, I'm not going to let it impact a game that I've loved since I, I was five years old. I your exact line is, you're not going to let any of that ruin something you love. Since I was five years old. And I'm, I'm much older than five now, Tony. So, are you going to watch? I, maybe, maybe. I, it's, the, it's the best I can do. It's the best way I can explain it. Maybe. I'm, I'm not 100% sure I am or I'm not. What about just the curiosity of seeing what it's going to be like to see an NFL game with no fans in the maybe stadium? Maybe for that. It's, it's going to be interesting. Maybe for that, because you, you, you were talking earlier, they're limiting uh, the amount of people who can be in the stadium. Uh, we live in Indianapolis, and the Indianapolis Colts have said Lucas Oil Stadium, which is gorgeous. Oh, one of the by best the way, stadiums in the It's got the retractable roof. It's fantastic. 2,500. 2,500 fans? 2,500 fans. Wow. Well, the Detroit Lions are hosting the uh, Chicago They're Bears. They're lucky to get 2,500 oh, fans. Oh, please. No, we, we go every week, and we leave disappointed by halftime. But uh, no <laughs> fans. Really? No fans. Zero. No, because Michigan, you know... Uh, that's that's been uh, they've they've been very very cautious, Tony. I'm saying that politely, uh, but there no fans for the first at least two games. Here's a story where drinking and politics mix. Very cool story. The News Tribune had it that they found letters, letters that were sent to John F. Kennedy. They're in the Presidential Library, and the letters of, are from Americans who wrote objecting to John F. Kennedy's embrace of cocktails at White House events. 
this is such and talk about a the how history has turned how life has turned because when Kennedy got into office there was a bar cart at events whether state dinners or or what have you and people would send letters dear mr president i think many feel humiliation and disgrace (laughs) over our nation today when we learn of our white house turned into a shameful drunken (laughs) all night carousal and dancing that's from edith fritz of of idaho she wrote this in 6061 i hope she didn't see jfk's uh, bud like tower (laughs) in the oval (laughs) office dignity previously engendered gone May God have pity upon your poor soul. Another one. Our nation was founded by men of Christian ideals. Let's keep it that way. There were a lot of people of Christian ideals who were also, you know, having a drink. And it's unbelievable. This is such a great microcosm, just a great moment of how things have changed. And can you imagine if LBJ got those letters, <laughs> what he would have done? <laughs> That's exactly what he would have done right there. Lit him on fire directly in the in the <laughs> Oval Office. You got to check out the Henry McKenna 10-year bottled in bond. It is worth it. And this cigar, which is the Presidente from Arturo Fuente, the Cameroon wrapper. It's just a wonderfully involved. I'm just now getting in to the final third. I've been smoking a little quick. And it's built up a touch in spice and a touch in intensity. But it is very, very solid at $12 to $14 worthwhile. You, you, this is a cigar that should be in your humidor. And I know a lot of people catching this uh, over the weekend and of course catching the podcast uh, at Apple Podcasts, Eat, Drink, Smoke. We have not forgotten September 11th, which took place this week. Only hope that you don't forget either. You shouldn't. Tell your kids. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. <laughs>